and welcome to another episode of From, From the, the Lower, Lower Level. Level. I'm your host, Moshi. And I'm Patrizio. And Moshi, this is going to be another 12-hour podcast today. We have got so much to discuss. I know. I can't believe it's like a double end of two pretty good franchises all at once. It's like quite mean. <laughs> And you know what I was not prepared for? They were, like, longer final episodes as well. It was, like, a 90-minute, like, for both parts of the reunion, Salt Lake City and Miami. I thought so. I it, I was just, like, particularly because I rewatched Salt Lake City a couple of times, actually, because I kept getting distracted. And I was like, this feels longer than normal. But it's always also weird because I'm not watching it with ads. So sometimes, like, it's still, like, 45 minutes all up together or something. So... I was like, yeah, this feels strange. But you know what? I think they have both earned it. Well, we'll get into that a little bit. All right. Well, before we get into that, why don't you tell us what the word on the street is this week? Well, I mean, this was no surprises at all, but Real Housewives of Miami has been renewed for a new season, season number five. They are even looking to add two new housewives as well. I've seen a couple of names being, like, floated around. Um, I mean, look, they've already started filming. Like, there was, I think they've seen some stuff on Instagram. There was, like, some group event the other day. Um, And it's going to premiere on Bravo on April 5th. Which I like. I forget this is a thing that because it was on Peacock, then it has to like wait to be on Bravo. But is this the current season, like season four of Miami, is premiering on Bravo April fifth? Yes, correct. Oh, but I thought it still. Pre- I thought it still was on Bravo. It was just like a couple of weeks. Like, well, I guess maybe this is a couple of weeks later because it was only twelve episodes. Well, it, I think it was the same for even um, Ultimate Girls Trip. It's like it wasn't until the season was completely finished on Peacock, then it like premiered on Bravo. No, that's not what I. I thought like it premiered on Bravo like oh, just a week later because at my work we talk Bravo, and there was like I like I remember it was like two weeks later, and one of the girls was like so excited to watch Ultimate Girls Trip because they're in the US, and the rest of us were like, "Honey, we've been watching it. We're like seven episodes in." Because of all the bonus episodes. Oh, I don't know. Well, anyway, that's just the word on the street, Moshi. That's fabulous. Did anything else happen this week? Um, no, I mean, that's the word on the street that is premiering on Bravo on April 5th. You're not like just it's just, ending it's just, it's just, it's just what I heard. That's the word on the street. I don't know. Is it? Has it already aired? I don't know. The word on the street. It's the way great. I envision you like sitting at like a bus stop dressed in like a trench coat with a fedora and the glasses on and somebody is just whispering the secrets to you. Correct. Actually, I was at a bus stop the other day and the <laughs> bus came and on the back was Alexia and Lisa Hochstein. Phenomenal. Get the word out there. Right, on the back of the bus. Um, Real Housewives of Orange County, I don't know if you saw this, but like I think we spoke about it a while ago that Teddy and Tamara, like, uh, what's it called, like, dropped the photo of the reunion. So we already saw, like, the seating arrangement, but there's been an even better photo that has been released of nice. the women. So on the left-hand side, you have from furthest out is 
Noella, Emily, and then Shannon. And then on the other side, going away from Andy, it's Heather Dubrow, um, Gina, and then Jen Armstrong. Wow, Shannon at the end. No, How Shannon's the like next to Andy. Fallen. Oh, Shannon is next to Andy. Oh, okay, coming in. Oh, Noella at the end. Wow. She obviously I'm... rubbed Andy the wrong way. <sighs> Noella. Anyway, the point is they were wearing these like fun little colourful outfits. I know, have you seen these photos? I have, and Gina's is the worst. I was really shocked because honestly, normally Gina really brings it at the reunion. That's the only time that I feel that she fully steps up. Um, and this weird jumpsuit she's wearing is not it. I felt like um, Jen Armstrong was wearing like a um, Meredith inspired feather number. Yeah. Well, I I feel very much that there's a lot going on with Jen Armstrong, so I will forgive a lot of her fashion mistakes. But she looked good. But, yeah, the only one for me that I was just like you could have done better was Gina. Well, I hope Gina's listening and she'll do better next time. <laughs> she doesn't give a shit what I, can, what I say. Um <laughs> Real Housewives of New Jersey, Teresa Judice. I mean, talk about fashion moments. Teresa Judice was on Watch What Happens Live this week and she was wearing this, like, skin-tight jumpsuit. She yeah, it's fabulous. it's Marina Sarah. I think that's the name of the brand. Very – I have a lot of – like, I always feel a bit funny about Trey's fashions because she's a serial – she's a serial um, – person that is on the real bad fashions which you introduced me to on instagram which calls out you know all the fakes and you know basically bad fashions in the housewives world and you know just this week Teresa was in there once again for her fake chanel bag and the thing is though every time i see trey she is actually rocking like the hottest new look like that outfit like Beyonce wore a similar brand in um, one of her video clips. Like it's very of a specific type of person. Like it's it's very fashion, like real fashion. So like as in fashion week fashions. And so seeing Train that, she looked fucking fabulous. I loved it. But I was like, but is it real or is it fake? Oh, it's fake. But um, look. <laughs> don't say that. The thing is with this appearance was we learned at the same time as Melissa Gorga that she will not be one of the bridesmaids in Teresa's bridal party. And she's having like eight bridesmaids as well. So there was plenty of room for everyone. It was so funny the way she was like, well, she knows now this is national television. <laughs> like Trey, Trey really just lives in her own world and it's phenomenal. I just don't think that you need to have your sister-in-law in your bridal party. In fact, like, I, if you're... I agree. If you're Italian like me, um, usually you're not even meant to have married married people in your bridal party. They should all be single. What if you're getting married, though, for, like, the second time? Still the same rules? Well, I mean, that's that's not, not appropriate, actually against Catholicism. This is what I mean. There's a whole lot going on here. Anyway. um, And look, let's talk some premiere dates that have dropped this week. We finally sort of got confirmation that um, 
Real Housewives of Atlanta was dropping May 1, um, May 2, depending on your time zone. And then Beverly Hills should be the 11th of May as well, so about 10 days later. Um, but Moshi, the big one for me this week was Real Housewives of Lagos in Woo! Nigeria starting April 8th. Like, to be honest, of all the African Housewives franchises, I'm... I'm most excited for this one. I think this one will level up in production than the South African one. And the the ladies are really fascinating. I I read about them uh, this week and, yeah, it should be really interesting. Yeah, I saw that as well. I saw it was like those, the property that the, what's, what do you call them, like a seller, I guess. What's Real that? estate person. <laughs> Oh, I don't know how it all works. Um, <laughs> they had like the musical. They had you know, there's there's a bit of everyone in this cast. Yep, all the women seem to be like real boss bitches. Like they're all business owners. They're all doing things as well as you know, having like having children and stuff like that. I think it'll be interesting. And like Nigeria is like the place for like production. Like 100%. film and television production in Africa, yeah, Nollywood, yeah. Um, so I hope that we're not putting it on too high a pedestal. I hope and our it... expectations aren't set too high, but I think it will be. I think it'll be a hit. At this point, I've just realised that when it comes to Housewives, I do just go straight for pedestal, and then I get disappointed, and it's okay. That's just my vibe. Well, hopefully the, these Nigerian ladies will not let us down. I, I don't think they will. But how are you feeling about Atlanta and Beverly Hills coming back? Well, look, we need something to pad out our schedules with. We've just, just lost two out. franchises this week. Um, we're going a bit dry, a bit dry and barren going forward. So it'll be nice to have some of these, like, you know, mainstays, right? This Atlanta, Beverly Hills are huge franchises. Are they flagships? Yes, definitely flagships. But I don't know if you recall, there was speculation early on in the piece that Real Housewives of Dubai would premiere similarly with Beverly Hills because they would do the one-two punch. They would, they would, one would be on first and then the other one would carry over. So could we potentially also be looking at Dubai starting in May? I was really hoping that Dubai might start in April because... I don't, it feels like wait, we don't have another Housewives in April unless they give us Ultimate Girls Trip. Which I don't think they will. Who knows what's going on? Who knows? Um, the way New York has just like literally ruined everything. I, um, I also saw speculation that perhaps Karen Huger's spinoff will air uh, once Atlanta starts and it'll be like Atlanta will open and Karen Hoover will come in next or the other way around to sort of try and build a bit of I guess around I, Karen. I guess it'll make sense because then um, Candy and the gang has has ended and in like adjacent to Housewives because it's Bravo Universe, Summer House, which is a whole other show, has a very different, it's on a different day and t- a day this season. It was elevated to the beginning of the week as opposed to the end of the week. So it's stepped up into a time slot that was formerly held by housewives, I think. Interesting. Yeah, there's a lot there's a lot of shuffling going on at Bravo. 
Well, Moshi, let's get into this week's episode. Um, we have a lot to discuss, much <laughs> like these ladies. Um, but we're going to kick it off with Real Housewives Salt Lake City. It's yes. part three of the reunions of season two. Um, and look, this was the episode that we knew was going to have the husbands and was going to discuss the legal troubles surrounding Jen Shah. Yes. Um, and kind of left off at the last part of the reunion um, with sort of like this tension between Lisa and Meredith. And that's where we kick it off with the husbands as well. Um, what do you think? Like, I mean, look, at the end of the last episode, Lisa's given her her reason for for, for giving her off off mic on hot mic, hot mic. Um, as she heard the Meredith was talking shit about her renovations um, we... <laughs> well that's that's not true I think we can all attest to I mean it would do better sense. it would make sense only for the fact that she calls out Meredith for not being able to purchase her own home so it's sort of like, you know what I mean? Because you'd be like, you think my renovations are shit? Well, you don't even own a home to renovate. Yeah, but then why am I also telling the world that you slept with half of New York? Why am I calling you a whore? Like, if she had just, if it had just been like you can't even buy a house, then I would have got it. But once we start going calling people whores and telling everyone that they've slept with half of New York, there's more there, my friend. Well, you know what? I really liked Seth's response because if Meredith has slept with half of New York, he must have slept with the other half. Honestly, I go through like peaks and valleys with Seth. I honestly think he's gross, but then like the way he comes through keeping things like it's lighthearted, but at the same time, it's like respectful and it's basically kind of saying like, you know, there's nothing you can say about us. Like there's nothing you can do to break us. Um, it's really admirable as well. So I really appreciated that moment. So I think after watching Seth in that segment and where he was like, you know, how he spoke about like, you know, how Meredith was going such a, through such a hard time and, you know, how he wanted to support her and be funny and lighthearted and all the rest of it. I think he's like my favourite husband from Salt Lake City, which I feel like I didn't really care for him before. But after seeing that, I was kind of like, these other men, trash. Because I feel like last season, it probably would have been, like, Coach Shah. At the end of this section that we talk about Salt Lake City, I want to know if it's still not Coach Shah. Okay. I have a lot to say about that. Um, (laughs) I can't wait. Look. And then you kind of have to compare it with John Barlow, right? Who diplomatic response, you know, that it's not Lisa. Lisa was horrified when she watched it and, you know, she was horrified because she got caught. But anyway. I think she was horrified, one, because she got caught, but two, because she she speaks in this episode about not being able to be vulnerable. And I think we spoke about it last week or, you know, the thing that we've spoken about particularly through these reunions is like my thing, my issue and particularly why I don't really vibe 
with Lisa and why bad weather were kind of coming for her is because she is so inauthentic. Everything is, you know, so prescribed with her and it actually was so refreshing just to see her lean into like a real feeling and really feel her feeling and I think she's just humiliated that the one moment that she does let her guard down it's kind of a horrible toxic situation but the thing is if she had kind of always been vulnerable and really let herself be feel her feelings through the whole show then that wouldn't have even been much of a shock you know we would have just like leaned into it and it would have been funny yeah she got humbled I guess but did she yeah. did she get humbled Perhaps not. <sighs> um but look I don't want to stick on that for too long because for me the the meat of this episode was obviously Jen Shah. And we've the got coach Jen Shah. Jennifer Shah. Um, and we have Coach Shah on the stage as well. So we can talk about all the things all together all at once. Um, I think the only thing for me that kind of came up, which I didn't understand, was this whole, like, conversation about, like, why hasn't Coach Shah had more to answer for in the same way that Erica Jane um, did, right? And it's sort of like, well, first of all, Erica Jane is a main character on her Thank show. You. And also, like, I mean, why why does the partner of have to answer for anything? You've literally got an alleged criminal as the main character. Like, they they are the one that allegedly did terrible things. And we spent the whole season talking about Meredith's father. Like, why are we concerned at any point what, what Coach Shah believes? Why are we not questioning the witness? Honestly, everything you just said, and it's wild because we haven't actually spoken about this before recording, and literally everything you just said is everything I was feeling. This is, I like it when we're on the same page. It doesn't happen very often, but when we are, we are like smack bam, word for word on the same page. Well, okay. Then here's my next thing. Let's see if we're on the same page for this as well. (laughs) I felt extremely uncomfortable when Coach Shah was talking. I felt that he had been briefed beforehand about what he could and could not say. Um, I think that he was asked to tell certain stories that perhaps were not exactly how things happened, i.e. this whole, like, colonial, like, bleeding situation. Like, I look, I'm not denying that he was unwell. I'm sure that there is some truth to that. But still, for me, the events of that day just aren't adding up. And, like, for me, like, even the when Jen Shah was like, if, if, the, if I had been tipped off that the feds were on the way, like, I would have ran out of there, right? First of all, I was like, you probably shouldn't say that. Like, Emma, <laughs> like just keep that thought to yourself. Like, and second of all, I was like, but also, if, like, I got a call that my husband had, like, internal bleeding and was in the hospital... I would have run even faster than if I was getting tipped off by the feds. Like, I just, 
I just don't buy anything that I was sold when it came to Coach Shah, unfortunately. And I felt like, obviously, he's in a very difficult position because I'm sure that he holds certain beliefs about what's true and what's not. And, yeah, I don't know. I feel bad for him. So, once again, I pretty much agree with everything you said. I do think that the way they... I do believe, like, the present, the presenting the United Front, I believe, is genuine. But I think the answers, like the way Coach Shah answered it, even if he was coached, he did answer, I think, in a very sincere way. So for me, everything he said felt sincere. It didn't feel fake. Was it coached? 100%. But, you know, like, the smartest people do media training. I'm sorry, if you're going to be a housewife and you're not doing media training, you're done. Um or, you know, not having, like, as if you're not going to be briefed by your lawyer or something before coming on this show, because anything you can say will be used against you in a court of law. Um, 100%. But I do think that what he was saying was sincere. I think aside from, like, yeah, I think everything that happened on that day, 100%. Like, I'm not buying it. But I thought what was really big for me in terms of a revelation and as I like to call it, peeling back the onion, is learning a little bit more about where their money is from. We've all been fucking curious. Whether or not you think it was real, it's real or it's not, I think having an idea of their finances through the years for me was pretty fascinating. Um, I never for any small amount of time thought that Coach Shah was like a little league coach. I've always in my mind, like knowing that he's a coach at a significant level, but to find out that he was an attorney for 15 years and and a sports agent, like if he's a sports lawyer or entertainment lawyer, like working in that industry, it is a lot of money. I see I disagree with you because I was like, I felt like we were trying to be sold this story that, they had significant wealth from like 20 years and everything that they own is like an accumulation, right? But Jen Shah has like the hottest, like newest fashion. Like that's not, she's not wearing like vintage pieces that she collected like 15 years ago, 10 years ago, even like this is, it's like all brand new stuff. Like I just, Um, I feel like there was like kind of this story that was told that was sort of like, Jen Shah has accumulated her her yes. fashion and her belongings over a very long period of time, which I okay. just don't think is true. So let's have a discussion now about Jen Shah's fashions. Just Jen Shah's fashions on her. I um, she definitely does actually not wear the latest fashions. She wears a lot of stuff that is like like definitely on like in the um confessionals she'll wear like a poochie or she'll wear something like really designer I personally think those things are rented and the reason why I think those things are rented or they're pulled by a stylist I don't think she owns them is because in her day-to-day life like when she's catching up with the girls she might have like a Louis Vuitton or whatever but all her other clothes are like they're like custom clothes obviously she has like a different body type as well and you know that she has like that fashion business that she had for a while. So I think a, like even the dress that she wore at the reunion, it's a replica 
of a design address. It's not the design address. And, you know, if you've ever been on Sydney Road, you know it's cheaper to get the dress remade than it is to buy the actual designer look. So I know that she talks, that she spends a lot on money and uh, on clothes and things like that, but definitely we're not, I'm not seeing her in like the latest fashions. She like, even I think about her court, her courtroom look, that like vest that she wore, the jacket that she wore with like the leather stuff. I'm pretty sure that was pleather. And those jeans are just like jeans from Walmart. I don't even think they were Levi's. Like, no, I'm not saying that in a bad way. They're still good quality jeans, but I don't really ever, like we don't really see her in like the logo mania, like in, in what, like, you know, Heather wears expensive clothes. Um, Lisa wears very expensive clothes. Um, we know Meredith does. She's wearing a lot, lots of like Christian Cowan. Like that's very expensive. You know what I mean? Like if you know the finer details of fashion, yeah, Jensha is not wearing the latest fashions. Okay. So what I'm hearing is I have been duped. Yeah. Which would probably speak to her alleged crimes. Yeah, but I de- my, just my my thing is that I mean I know a lot of the time in the confessionals that stuff is just for the confessionals. But like, aside from that confessional look, I've never seen her wear poochie when she's gone out with the girls any other time. And you're not just going to wear one off poochie. You're going to be you know like if you're wearing poochie in the confessional, you're kind of going to be like Dorit, and you're going to be like Erica Jane. They wear designer stuff all the time. Jen Shah is not. In my in my personal estimation, I'm happy to be proven wrong. Mm. But well, I do think you... I do think she has a lot of smoke and mirrors. How did you or how did you feel then about then her, her statement where she was sort of saying, you know, because I'm a brown woman and my husband's a black man, the first thing that people think of is like there's no way that you could have legally, you know, acquired this wealth. What did you think of that statement then? Well, that's a loaded question to ask a black person, Patricia. <laughs> well, <laughs> I think, you know, she was responding to the women around her and, you know, potentially what she feels. And maybe that's her experience. That is not, I think we watch, we watch Atlanta, we watch Potomac, we watch, you know, we saw Ebony on New York. We've seen black women we know we see Garcelle, we've seen black women, we know black women can be rich and accumulate wealth. Like, I don't think that's it. I think anytime Jen evokes race for me, it's I I can't take it seriously. Um and it's sad because I'm sure there is some truth to it. Yeah, I agree. I think there was maybe some truth to it, but I don't think like the level of the indictment it's not just like you know it's not some small gig this is something that's been ongoing yeah for a long time it involves a lot of people like it's you know it's a whole thing Um, i mean so so i mean just for me i like i want to say again that i totally agree with you in that everything was very rehearsed every like they they came prepared okay they came prepared to sell what's eventually going to go to court so that we hear it before it goes to court. Like I'm fully sold on that. And I know I am naive, but for me, I was impressed with learning a little bit more about their history. I, 
was also glad that they spoke about the footage um, from the day from their, like, you know. The ring footage. System. Yeah. And I feel like you spoke about it when that episode aired and that, like, you know, that for a lot of people that footage would have been quite triggering to watch and sort mm-hmm. of, like, it almost was, like, overused like i feel like anytime they spoke about the like the events of that day they would like throw in that like black and white footage from the ring uh, but we found out that it was actually jen shah who had asked for it to be included um which i thought was really interesting and i'm glad that we got an explanation as to why they kept showing that footage yeah i mean once again it's it, this is the thing about jen it's like it's twofold we know that systemically everything that she's saying is correct, but she it feels very much to me like she's weaponizing it as opposed to being an activist. She's weaponizing it to 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 help her case. And I mean, good on her as well. I guess that's that's kind of what you should do. But the problem with that is that it's it's very much like the boy who cried wolf. It ruins it for for other people. Um, but one thing that really annoyed me when they brought it up in this show, and I don't know what Andy's intention was when he said this, and I don't know if you recall it, but he said, we still don't know if Stu's children face the same thing. Like he tried, it was it's like a devil's advocate sort of qu- quote. And it's like, you don't need, to, like you should never say anything like that, regardless of what's implied what Jenny's trying to talk about is this is a horrific situation and she's absolutely validated in saying that had her son and I mean here's the thing though she put her son in that situation so 100% she's at fault here I'm not taking that away from her but the truth of the matter is had her son reacted the wrong way he could have been you know what I mean we we know what we've seen he could have he could have lost his life and that is so serious and so tantamount that when Andy says that off-the-cuff comment, which is like this devil's advocate thing is, well, we don't know whether or not Stu's children face this thing. It's like, fuck you, Andy. Like, don't be, you're, you're not helping the cause in any way, shape or form here. I would say that if that had happened to Stu's kids, we would know. I, um, just being the eternal optimist that you know that I am, I want to say that the intention was obviously, I think, meant to be, you know, we don't know that that didn't happen to, like, you know, what I'm, like in that sort of. Like, I, I uh, know, but you don't, you don't have to say it. Like that's implied. We know that. What it does is it actually takes away from what's actually happening and what's actually present. It's very like, well, all lives matter. Well, not all lives matter. No, but it is. It's on par. It's the same thing, Patrizio. Like, it doesn't matter what your intention is with something. It's what actually, it's the consequence of what you say and how you say it. And I think on some level, Andy probably is like somewhere being like, oof, maybe I shouldn't have said that. I don't believe that. I mean, you just, you never know. Well, what do we know? We know that no one has spoken to Stuart I reckon Jen's spoken to Stuart. I, reckon I she's... don't think she, no, she hasn't. And I know, I reckon she's going to throw him under the bus. Well, how did you feel about this whole thing around, like, 
everyone always takes a plea deal. Like if you end up in whatever specific court this is, everyone takes a plea deal. But she is, she's going to fight it because she's, you know, got the resources. She's not going to do the plea. She's innocent until proven guilty. Which She's I mean, doing it for the, the little people who can't defend themselves. Yes. Once again, it's Mark. She's, you know, martyring herself, right? Like that's what all of this is. And again, Patrizio, this agenda, she's locked and loaded it in and good for her, right? But at the same time, like I said before, it's um, Boy Who Cried Wolf. It takes away from the legitimacy of other situations and other injustices that people are going through. Like, she's not doing this for anybody but herself. Like, let's be 100% honest about that. But the other thing is, you know, as a staunch watcher of Law and Order, Criminal Intent, SBU, you know, rattled them off the franchises, we know that people take the pleas. <laughs> like, we know this is true. I, I think that comment is actually true. There's a reason why he, they have a 95% rate. We also know that the incarceration situation in the US is fucking ridiculous, particularly in the state of New York and the city of New York. Well, I think as well, generally you'll take a plea if you know you're guilty, but like, no, no, no. They they take a plea just be. It's not about being guilty. It's like, well, it's about the case that's built up against you. If they have enough evidence to give you any time, you're gonna take. You're always gonna take a plea if there's no jail time, and if you can rat people out, right? But we know what happens to rats, you and I. Well, I mean, there's no one left to rat on though. Jen, Jen is the last person standing. Everyone else has taken the plea. Everyone else has clearly. I think she's got something up her sleeve. She's clever. She's running a clever campaign. You know what? I'm going to say this right now. If Jen Shah beats this case, she will run for president. Oh my god! <laughs> 2024, I... Jen Shah for president. She will win. She's that sort of person. I think she won't win the case. I feel like the case will be dismissed on some weird technicality. Like the 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 cop who arrested her, his badge wasn't actually blessed by the judge in New York <laughs> and therefore he wasn't allowed to make an arrest that day. You know what I mean? It's the same sometimes when you get a parking ticket, you always got to check that your registration plate is like correctly spelt because if it's not, then you can be like, well, that wasn't my car. Like that's not that. You know what the I mean? Other, the other thing that's going to happen here is that she's going to get a Teresa sentence or she's going to get a Caroline Delvey sentence, which is like, so this is, this is a thing that is happening in New York at the moment and it's been happening for a while. So people go up for these charges that come with these maximum sentences of 30 years, 15 years. So combined, Jen is looking at a maximum sentence of 45 years for the two charges, right? But the courts, they don't want to keep people in jail unless, they re- unless they're like murderers for that long a period of time because it's, it's a strain on the economy. And they think about, well, we could have this. It, it, it costs us more to keep this person jailed. It's like a white-collar what is a Yeah, white-collar crime. Is a blue, yeah. And, you know, she'll do 18 months, Patrizio. 
and she'll do it like where where Teresa went and and where Martha Stewart went. Look at this is what I'm saying. Like these people do really heinous things, and they spend like and that's why she knows. She knows that even if she goes to jail, they're not going to give her thirty years. She knows that's not going to happen. I think she knows that if she gets sent to jail, actually Heather Gay is going to come in and be like, "I will do the time for." Her. <laughs> Honestly, the way Heather fell on the sword today about Jen, like, talking about how she's going to be in the court with her. (sighs) We all need a friend as delusional as Heather Gay. It's not even supportive at this point. It's delusional. I mean, I think earlier in um, our discussions on Salt Lake City, I did have this very strong opinion that, you know, obviously what Jen Shah has done is very, very different to what Teresa Judice was, you know, implicated in and all the rest of it too. Um, but I think I've like almost, you know, and perhaps because Jen has been so convincing during this period, <laughs> I've kind of like come around to this point of where I'm kind of like, you know what, just give her the Teresa sentence, put her away for 18 months. And you know what, she'll come out and she'll get the Jen Shah like out of jail special. And then she'll be back into the cast. You know, they might hold filming for Salt Lake City until she's back out of jail. Like that. The way this woman is just going to, yeah, she's literally going to breeze past this. But this is the thing with criminals who are likeable. This is why likability is so important. Do you think that Jen is guilty? Yes. Wow. I honestly left this reunion being like, wow, is this just a plot against her? (laughs) Even though you didn't believe anything that her and Coach Shah or anything that Coach Shah was spewing, I feel because it felt to me like you think Coach Shah is guilty. <laughs> I don't think he's guilty. I just think that he is being used as a, a pawn in all of this, and I feel like he just didn't. You know what? For Coach Shah, you know. I finally you got that glimpse of the coach side of that charisma when he was talking about black men in particular going to therapy right he had that spark he had that you know that you know what you want to hear from a coach right I didn't get the same charisma in the rest of his testimony that he gave at this trial I mean reunion wow that's rude because I think all coach Shah does is give charisma uniqueness nerve and (laughs) no but like you know coach Shah is in a is in a rock and a hard place because he is the only black man on this show and he's the only well aside from well actually no Robert Senior and Mary I guess I forget that they're on the show. And no, he, he's, he's white. He, Mary cleared that up at the last reunion. True. Robert Senior is white. Oh my gosh you did do. But um but going back to Coach Shah He's, you know, black guy and he works in like the, you know, NFL football, this tough sort of thing. And he really, since we first met him, has portrayed himself or he genuinely is a soft, caring person. Like even the fact that, you know, he calls Omar like their son, um, baby, like he refers to him as like baby, like he does his language and the way that he speaks is not the way you think a coach is going to speak. Cause honestly, NFL coaches, have you not watched remember the Titans? They're all about like, get out there, do what you got to do. Fucking like they, they are like that. They're aggressive. And coach Shah is like giving us Kumbaya. Like he's serving Kumbaya at every fucking moment. Kumbaya Shah. 
some <laughs> and so and I think that a lot of that is very deliberate I think you know he never wants anyone to because I think his image is just as important if he was in the Rose Bowl which is basically the junior Super Bowl like he is well known there is a lot on the line for him which makes this whole thing just so so bizarre to me and look I guess what are you meant to do? I guess you just have to believe your partner and what they're telling you and you have to support them. And... You don't have to, but you choose to. He's chosen to. Oh and he must believe her on some level. He says that he understands what her job is. I, one of the things that was really interesting was they cut to that clip of Whitney in her confessional where she had been speaking about how she does legal whatever blah, blah is and... And then Jen was saying, well, I don't do that. I do data monetization. And I think what Andy said, which is like, you sell the data, don't you? Because she's like, I make money off the data. And Andy's like, you were selling data of vulnerable people and that's what you're accused with. And I think here's the thing. I think it is a grey area and I think that's why she knows she can beat it. I actually really loved when Jen also told Whitney, like, I have never spoken about my business to you. You had no idea what my business was. And, like, what if I brought up your husband's lawsuit and then said, you know, Iris and Bo is just, like, the cover, you know. I was like, where has this Jen been all season? Because, you Jen, know what? This Jen is always there. This is what she does, though. She deflects. Well, but no, but Whitney had to be told. Because oh, Whitney, you know what I mean? You know how I feel about Whitney. Like, literally, get her off the screen. Um, I mean, but, you know, the thing about Whitney is that she does back down. <laughs> like, they all put her in her place and she says, you're right, I'm sorry. I mean, she didn't super back down from that specific call out. But, um, yeah, I mean, I thought it was really great episode and I thought it was great what we got about Jen I think the thing that's going to be really frustrating is that because her trial has been pushed out I'm pretty sure they will stop filming before it goes to trial and so it's going to be you know two years at least before we get the other side of all of this and um yeah maybe Jen Shah will get a spin-off on Peacock I don't know though if like Bravo again wants to be like viewed as participate like proceeds of crime at this point you know what I'm saying one thing that I do want to ask you though on this subject like we spoke before about Jen not speaking to Stu but one thing that is absolutely fucked and I love that Bravo did this is Jen like talking about how Stu doesn't work for her like they're not partners and then literally rolling the tape I'm your boss do work for me you're my assistant like the way they've sold that they work together is um like she can't she can't erase that it lives there now I mean that I mean hindsight is 2020 washi I think for Jen Shah it's 4040 <sighs> what a disaster um Look, I just want to touch on, like, two other things out of this reunion. Um, look, rest in peace to Jenny Nguyen, obviously. <laughs> like, rest in pieces, man. Not even peace. She got, like, her five minutes in this reunion um, talking about the sister-wife situation. 
Um, I mean, I thought it was great that Dewey also um, shouted out therapy for Asian men as well. Correct. Look, I mean, I feel like outside America, full stop, like therapy is not a thing. Um, But the baby story. Dewey wanted results. He was running his family like a business. You know, at that moment, he wanted results and he was providing options. And now that I've had that explanation, I understand. Oh, no, I don't. I don't. It's still so heartless and stupid. But I think this was the story that he made up because I still think this is a fake storyline. I think that it's partly true. I think probably, I think, you know, the sister wife thing, came out of his mouth and I think he wasn't expecting to say it <laughs> but I think that the whole kid thing is a real story that is um, I actually think that obviously therapy is working for him because I think that he was very clear um, I think in his explanation as to how he got to this thing and I feel like you can only have that clarity when you have spoken through um, that with someone I just feel like I don't know like the whole business thing like yeah it's it's gross but it's actually something that I feel like I heard and I was like oh, okay like I kind of understand now yeah. where you're coming from and I feel like he only got that clarity from the therapist yeah um, I so think like- one of the things that was really sad about it though is and they cut to this is how much it triggered Heather and I'd be curious to know in her Mormon life what the sister-wife situation was there, whether or not that was something that her and Billy had uh, looked into and was potentially part of the reason why she's left the church. There's something there. I mean, do we care? But there is something there. How do we close this out, Moshi? I mean, look, like these women, Lisa, um, Meredith, Bad Weather... They're, well, they, Bad Weather and Lisa are kind of, they mended fences. Which it was such bullshit. Like, 100%. In the break, they, they hugged it out. I was disgusted. You know, my biggest takeaway from this episode was something that the great lawyer, Meredith Marks Esquire, said in this episode. And... It really stuck with my Taurus sun, Scorpio moon sensibilities and is literally going to be how, it's going to be my whole personality at this point. Um, And it was this, I do not hold grudges. I establish boundaries based on behavior to protect myself. It's the conscious uncoupling (laughs) version of I hold grudges. But you know what? It made sense. And it's my story and I'm sticking to it. I don't think it's holding a grudge, though. I'm going to agree with her on this one because it's sort of like, it's sort of like, I'm not going to hold it against you, but I will never have you around me ever again. Is that a grudge? It's a grudge. You know what? What made it a grudge is that she, what makes it a grudge is when you say to somebody, okay, I'm over it, but you're like really not over it and you keep letting it build and build and you're just never allowing yourself to like 
move beyond with someone and you're like not even communicating with them properly at this point right that's what made it a grudge it's and also I think you know for it for people looking at like the level of anger I still think she was justified in being pissed off at um at, at both Lisa and at Jen at this point but just I do not hold grudges I establish boundaries based on behavior to protect myself like that is the clinical description of why people hold grudges. It's like, yes, you're protecting yourself because you have trauma, but you're not allowing yourself to work through the trauma. And that's why that behavior is still actually a grudge. And wow, I've just shown growth (laughs) and some weird self-awareness. Not at therapy. Interesting. Housewives is my therapy. (laughs) Oh, bless. Anyway. Okay, so let's close this out by saying, like, who who did you leave the reunion loving more and who did you leave the reunion hating more? It's so weird because I just didn't know it was possible to hate the people that I hate on this show even more. And hate is a strong word. I guess for me it's I don't actually hate any of these women, but it's who frustrates me the most on the show. It's more I get frustrated. I still am completely frustrated with Whitney just because I think on paper, Whitney ticks all the boxes of somebody who could really be a top tier housewife. And I do, I love her relationship. I like her backstory. Um, I like, you know, she's going for the entrepreneur thing. I think like she has some compelling stories to share, but I just think, once again, she's also not authentic, and so it's frustrating. Um, I think actually after the end of this, I don't know. Like, I still think burn the whole thing to the ground, so I don't have an answer for you. Who do you, you know, still happy to deal with and who who are you trying to give the axe to? Um, so I think my answer to this is going to have to be um, unfortunately, Lisa Barlow is the one that is going to continue to frustrate me. I yeah. think she really had an opportunity at this reunion to come in and say she fucked up and to just be honest about everything she had done. Um, but she, time and time and again, has just tried to control a narrative and it just doesn't work. Like, yeah. you know, as as the great Judge Judy would say, like, like if you tell the truth like you don't have to like remember like everything correct um that's not what judge judy actually says it's not a direct quote she says it feels eloquently than me it's that's got judge judy vibes though and i think um my mvp jen shah i came out of this reunion sort of remembering why I enjoyed her in the first season. I think that she has conned me into loving her. Fair enough. I actually am going to go back and I'm going to say the smartest woman on the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City is Miriam Cotsby. <laughs> that's she what... didn't even attend. But just not for attending. Like literally the smartest person. Justice for Miriam Cosby, but you know what? I think she is going to be better for it. Yeah, 100%. With these women. 
All right, it's now been 700 years we've been speaking about Salt Lake City. Let's take a break and come back, do it all over again with Miami, and then maybe just chat a little bit about New Jersey. Sounds like a plan. And we're back, Washi, from the break. Here to discuss Season 4, Part 2 of the reunion of The Real Housewives of... Miami. Uh, we're closing it out. This is, a, again, like we said earlier, it's a 90-minute episode. Well, I did not realise it's going into it, but I'm glad that they did because that's what these women deserve. Like, I almost feel like, don't give me three parts to a reunion. Just give me two 90-minute episodes. Yeah, two freaking feature full-length films. Yes. Um, Four-part reunions, never again. Never again. <laughs> Um, let's try and break down some of like the big topics that we discuss, um, at this reunion, this part of the reunion, I should say. Um, look, Nicole Martin, uh, obviously she was a bit of a decisive, divisive, she wasn't decisive, she was divisive, (laughs) um, divisive friend of the group, um, I so the the discussion I the first thing I want to discuss is this discussion around her marriage announcement and how none of the women knew, not even her best friend Lisa, um, that apparently she was getting married and she put it down to her PR. Well, not that she was getting married, that she was getting engaged. Oh, that's well, I guess an engagement is a promise to be married, but the. People Magazine got in and her PR team told her to do it and that's why she didn't tell anyone about it. <laughs> Sorry. Just when you said People Magazine, all I could think about is Marisol saying People Online and then Nicole being like, I can send you a hard copy. <laughs> and I was just like, <laughs> I'm sorry, Marisol. I'm just going to say now that Marisol is the MVP of the whole series. The thing is, like, I think Miami had a lot of that, like, old school drama that Housewives used to have. Like, yeah. we won the arguments over, like, whether, you know, it's People Magazine or People Online or, like, earlier in the season when yeah. Larsa was like, I finally got half as bizarre. And then, like, they, like, zoom in and it's, like, Vietnam. Like, Which just... Is- Important still. I mean, yes, but you know, it's like the way she was talking about it, like it was the like the American edition of Harper's Bazaar, you know. Um it you know, being on the front of Vogue September issue in the US compared to the Vogue Australia issue is probably two very different things. Yeah. But I enjoy that sort of stuff. Um do you think that this was all really just a ploy for Nicole to live out her fantasy of being on television? I think it was a ploy for all of them to live out their fantasy of being on television. I think the real issue here is sort of what you just touched on before. Like you, you mentioned before that you love the the pettiness kind of, of that old school housewives drama. And they, and I have to agree with you, Miami do it the best, but I think what we're seeing is this real conflict in Miami of the old guard versus the new guard. And that's for the old guard. It's more that like Nicole hasn't paid her dues to be able to be 
doing all these things because I don't necessarily think that Cole has done anything wrong. I think if this if this had been a brand new franchise, like with no history or anybody that we knew, all of the housewives would be Nicole. Yes. You know what I mean? And and I think but, but at the same time it's like that's what makes this all the more interesting is because it's not. And it it's it's just it's a it's a nice it's a nice situation. I think the other thing that's interesting is that these women, their friendship has kind of been built around the fact that they were part of this huge thing and then it ended. And that's why, you know, the girls like Adriana and Alexia and um, Marisol, I mean, Marisol and Alexia, and I think we're always going to stay friends, but like having Lisa, Lisa met them through this show, right? And they have this thing that they bonded over for ages, which was like the end of an era of the show. And then it just came back, which is just pure luck. And it's great that they still had those friendships. But um, I really, I really like what Nicole brings to the show. Um, is she top tier housewife? I, I think she's still got a long way to go, but I do like that there is a bit of a tug of war be- between the old and the new school. I guess what I would like to see is more Nicole's. Like I'd like to see a bit of the you versus us versus them. Like I'm here for that. I think it's not really fair to say that Nicole wasn't like, you know, trying to be like friends with the other women either. Like, because it was interesting, you know, at the start of, like, of last week's episode, we were talking about how, um, you know, Nicole only had Adriana and Julia on her private jet. But yes. in this part, we found out the invite went out to everyone. Like, everyone was more than welcome to come. It was just the people chose not to. And, you know, I, it's just, I feel like Nicole, I guess she did get a bit of the villain edit. Because, like, you know, who else was really the villain of this season? Larsa um, and Adriana. But I, and I think, to be honest, the villain of the, re- well, no, I won't say that. But I, I, I think it, it's just, that's why I'm saying, like, I think it'd be nicer to have a few more people, like, a, a few more newbies in the same way that Nicole was. Because, like, let's be honest, Gertie didn't really bring anything to the show um, for whatever reason. But um, I think I think there's nobody that does a reality show without wanting to be on TV, especially now when you see what reality shows can do for your career. Like, I'm sorry, any franchise that has started in the last, you know, six years is capitalising over the, the, the actual OGs, like the people who went through the trenches to create this form of celebrity right and so any before any show that starts now with all new people it's the same thing like you're not you're not signing up to reality show being like I don't know what this is this sounds like fun like you know what it is so what I guess what will be interesting is what's Nicole going to sell because obviously she's like and anaesthetist so obviously you probably don't want to be selling people's surgeries that they don't require just to be put under by her so like you know it was like um tiffany moon she brought out that candle range like that was like the the Uh, thing she was selling you know what's nicole gonna come i think you're taking it a little bit too literally i think like in terms of like what she's selling is she selling the brand nicole martin 
because ultimately reality TV stars, they sell themselves, like they sell their brand. Like look at Erica Jane, like her persona, that singer, yes, she can sing and yes, she can dance. Like she's obviously very talented, but she's selling a persona. I think like the Kardashians are, you know, the the best example of people who sold a persona and then from the persona they can sell all the other stuff. Like Dr. Tiffany Moon's candles aren't funny unless you know Dr. Tiffany Moon. Do you get what I mean? Like it's really funny because we see, we get her sense of humour and I think Nicole is is selling herself as like this new type of woman. She's Cuban and she she comes from that traditional past but she's like breaking the mould. Like we've spoken about like, her house, like she's selling her lifestyle the same way Kourtney Kardashian doesn't sell anything but has this brand called Push. Do you get what I mean? It's well, like she's just selling herself. That's what I almost think. She she almost does seem like the kind of girl that will come out with like selling the lifestyle of the the Push kind Correct. of thing. like I think or or perhaps even just like you know because like you know if she's gonna go down the influencer like. That, like, and that's what it gonna... is, right? So interesting. Anyway, um, the other thing I guess that was really interesting as well was like that I feel like even though it was only two of 12 episodes, there were a lot of like storylines that like started and then kind of ended quite quickly or just kind of disappeared. But the one with her father obviously comes up in the discussions around her engagement and then her potential wedding um, as to whether her father would walk her down the aisle or not. Because where did that relationship land in the end? Mm-hmm. And it's not great still. No. I thought that story about her dad and the turkey, I, I thought it was I thought it was funny it, just in the sense that I was like, I feel like that shouldn't have been a surprise to you. you eat, but you're at a point where you either, I think, like, your dad is so old, like, he's not going to change on some level you need to either accept him as he is. And I know it's just sucks for me to have that opinion because the other side of that is that like, she doesn't need to accept him at all. But I think that that's kind of what Marisol and Alexia are like as well. I think they're kind of just like, you're, you know who your dad is <laughs> at least like either accept him as he is like, it's not worth it. I agree with that. I think like, you just need to know your dad's a narcissist. Like he's mm-hmm. not, his primary interest in life is himself and his many lovers. Um, many lovers. Well, he's, uh, that's what he was implying. He said that he could go get anyone pregnant, apparently. I mean, he can't. Oh, Lord. I don't mean, I mean, like, literally he can. But um, imagine that, because then Nicole's child would have an aunt or uncle at the same age as them. Or younger. I, I know people in these scenarios. And this is the thing. This is men. The fact that they can just. They can. Or, they should. Or people. I mean, I mean, you know, people who produce sperm. It's it's wild. Um, but I, I think a huge part of it for Nicole is not just. It's that she has rebuilt herself, right? She has like a phoenix rising from the ashes. She has shed like this kind of trope, which is that her dad is like a Cuban gangster, right? She shed that life. She scrubbed herself clean, metaphorically, and she is a doctor and her husband is an attorney and they live in 
you know, not a tradition. They don't live in like Lisa's cheap looking house, right? Oh. They live in architecture. No, but I'm just, I'm saying like, there was he, some air quotes he, on the page. he does not fit in with the brand. And I think that that is also part of the issue. Wow. She's trying to change, like, she doesn't want that to be a reflection of her, which is fine. You can outgrow your parents. I can't believe that um, he's being fired because he doesn't reflect the brand's vision He's anymore. aesthetically not pleasing, so, in her world. So, why have him? <laughs> okay, I have a question for you, Moshi. Please oh. raise your hand if you think Julia was hungover. So I'm going to say that Julia was hungover because this is a podcast and we are not a video where I can put my hand. For those at home, Patrizio, just cracking up, cracking up. (laughs) I should be on YouTube. but um... (laughs) What about you, Patrizio? Do you think Julia was sick or do you think she was hangover? Oh, please. It was a hangover. Like... Girl has not drunk that much in years and she went too hard and she probably didn't have enough food in her stomach and we've all been there. Yeah, she was just fully dehydrated and stuff from drinking too much. Like the cause of her issue was the alcohol. Correct. Correct. Um, yes, perhaps she was sick with something else, but like the the alcohol was what? put the nail in the coffin a hundred percent um i mean look hamptons there was a lot of drama right there was like yeah they did like a little sort of hamptons recap um i i was thinking about the hamptons recap and i feel like they did it more because it was they had to give like lisa and julia like opportunities to be part of the conversation. And I was laughing when I when they were doing this. I was like, Gertie wasn't even there. Like, literally, she missed the whole thing again. And so I sort of felt like they had to touch on these things, like the filler, to include others in the conversation. Because let's be honest, like, you probably only needed Nicole, Alexia, Marisol, and Adriana. Oh, and Larsa on the couch. Cheers. So let's just normalize moving forward having reunions where only housewives that are required to be there. Like 100%. Can, Gertie, she can have her full time credit, but like you are not required to attend the reunion. Please do not attend the reunion. For what? So you can like pipe in with your little bits and pieces. I, to be honest, I'm sure there was a lot of stuff that we they just didn't show of Gertie. Like it just got cut, and and that's that sucks for her. But um. It made it, for me, it made it feel really awkward actually watching her engage in the reunion because I just sort of feel like Kiki had more to do with what was going on, you know? What's your opinion on the word of the street that Kiki was coming for one of the women and their, and their mojito and she was a disaster on set? I don't believe it. I want to believe it. No, I think it'd be a nice thing to believe, but I think the truth of it is that I, I think, like, Kiki couldn't commit and they already had the housewives. Let's let's be honest, like, at the beginning you said that they're looking to add more housewives to this show and I'm just like, this show is going to be like a K-pop band. It's going to have, like, <laughs> 50 people in it. Not the K-pop band. 
Yeah, or, I mean, I do love the K-pop bands, but they have like seven members. Why, or can it be more like Days of Our Lives, where they just like pull one actor out and replace it with another? Another, but it's the same, but it's the same person. Yeah, like, can you imagine if they just like took Nini out and replaced her with somebody else, or like Marisol? You couldn't do that, but you know who you could do that with, Gertie. <laughs> exactly, but that's the whole point. Or like, Lisa plays Gertie next season, and Me. no one will even know. Imagine if I came and I was playing Gertie next season. You'd, you'd have more to bring to the show than Gertie did. But, um, well, on Lisa, I mean, she does get her her five minutes of this reunion. Um, when she gets to talk um, to the producers about her lighting because she's at the end of the couch and she's concerned that being at the end, she's not getting the same amount of lighting as the other women and equal rights, Moshi. Every time Lisa gets screen time, it only highlights for me how unhappy she is. That's really sad. I know. You weren't expecting that. You thought I was going to make some jokes about her and the lighting. But every single thing, it's, you know, calling out, she's calling out insecurities. And I'm not saying that none of these things are valid. They are all completely valid. But it's very clear that the last eight years and, and prior, I guess, the whole time that we've known Lisa, her life hasn't been as easy as we thought it is. And partly the reason why we think it is one way is because she plays on her looks, right? Like her her um, taglines are always about like being built, like being created, being the perfect wife. And I think she's deeper than that. I thought it was really interesting how when she was talking about her marriage issues, you know, one of the things that she said is that, you know, they were trying to have children and it wasn't working for them in um, the biblical way. And so I, the reason why I said that, Patrizia, is because you can't say natural because they're all the ways are natural. So they it's very, so I'm saying I'm, I'm being incredibly of the times and saying biblical. Um, and, you know, she mentioned that, you know, she blames herself a lot, a lot for that because, and, and for subsequently, you know, Lenny's emotional affair, whatever that is. Um, but she says that she wasn't taking it seriously. And one of the things that I, I think I've spoken about on this show is like, even when we see her with her kids, like Lisa never wants you to take her seriously. She never has ever wanted us to take her seriously. Anytime she's on, she wants us to see her being silly, you know, complaining about things in a like, you know, funny sort of way. Like, she, whenever things have to get too serious or too deep, she diverts to something playful. And that's fine. That's her coping mechanism. That's her personality. But I don't know. Then Lisa needs to, I, something needs significant really needs to change in Lisa's life. I think she, she needs some more self-esteem and she needs to understand that she is, she has a lot of value. You know, she can be genuinely funny and she can be genuinely interesting, but all these other things, these cruxes that she leans, leans on, they ruin her appeal in terms of entertainment value, which is what the show is about. But in, in terms of giving us, like, the sort of stuff that we get from Alexia, we get from Marisol, we get from Adriana, we get from Nicole, you know, she 
Yeah, I don't know. She she needs to start getting a bit more vulnerable. I almost feel like now that you've said all of that, demote her to a friend of. Hundred percent. I I really do think of a, a friend of, but I there's just the thing is there is just so much there going on with her that she's never going to give us the real the real deal and that's going to make it so hard for us I know for me it makes it harder for me to empathize with her when she does finally sort of shed a little a little bit of light but like her insecure for me her insecurities are just too much they overshadow everything else well, I mean, let's compare her with Alexia, the telenovela Barbie of Miami. The top tier housewife. Alexia has, like, Alexia understood the assignment. She went away, and although she is traditional um, and she has, like, those certain things that are, like, antiquated, like, you shouldn't love them, Alexia went away for eight years, and she knew when she was coming back, she was uh, she was going to bring it. She knew that she was going to out Herman on national TV. Yeah, but I don't think that that's what she did because I think we're, we're obviously not in the Miami social scene. I think she literally just spoke to what people are talking, what the word on the street is in Miami. And to be honest, I think Leah Black outed Herman many, many years ago with James the Drag Queen. Oh my god, that scene! Like watching that stuff back now, and you see like the interaction between the drag queen and him, and then because when the drag queen's like gets on their knees, and it's like, like now, do you remember me? Yeah. Oh my god, so shady When you look back, hindsight forty forty, washy. Yeah, I'm now making it sixty sixty. I keep bringing take it up. <laughs> um, but I mean, we addressed it all the telenovela of it all peter and todd wow going back there it's it's so weird because it was only 12 episodes but i even though it was only such a short period of time from that first fight to like the last scene which is at her mum's funeral so much happened still during that time like i i was like we grew as a family during that time. I had forgiven Todd, you know? I think Todd's in a hard place and I think they, like, discussed it. And, you know, the fact is that, especially Peter, like, you know, Peter is an adult. He is, you know, like, Todd, Todd doesn't have any, you know, fatherly you know, influence over Peter, I don't think. Oh, definitely not over Peter. But, you know, one of the things that I think is hard for us as viewers and people who are so invested in Alexia, we we were there when the Frankie drama happened, right? But then the fact of the matter is that we also have not been there for a huge amount of this time. And Todd, he came into that relationship and he can only speak from what he sees. And I think... I mean, I think you and I, well, I mean, I can speak for myself. I'm fortunate that today I don't have um, anybody in my family who has suffered traumatic brain injury and, and is not, not able to live independently. But I think there is a suggestion, and I do think it's a fair suggestion in this day and age with all the resources that Alexia has access to, 
to where, you know, perhaps Frankie could have been at the age of 24, which he is now, in a position to live independently or live, like, with a group of people. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's a thing that exists in this world now. Um, People who were seen to have, um, you know, disabilities or, or have accessibility issues, they can live full whole lives on their own, have jobs, contribute to society. But I think Alexia, you know, she, she said it in the episode. She, she said it would never feel right to her for Frankie to live alone. And, and that's just who she is. I get it. But I think Todd sees it as a little bit of a hindrance. And I also understand why he sees it as a little bit of a hindrance because he's never going to be able to have all of Alexia. Oh. No, but that's that's true. You know, like I always think it's so interesting when people go into like their next marriages, right? Like you get married, like you get into a relationship with someone and it's just the two of you and you're each other's number one priorities. As soon as you have a child or you bring a child into that relationship, it immediately changes everything. And like we, and it happens in relationships. Like people break up after they have kids because they're just like, we're not the same as we were because you can't be. You suddenly have this other way of being but then like when people's children grow up and they go get older and they move out of the house which is what like Todd's kids have done and effectively would have happened traditionally if if Frankie hadn't had his accident and Todd and Alexia had gotten together they'd just be living their best lives like that's like what Teresa's doing now even though her kids are a little bit older right it's like what Dolores is doing like you can just live your life as an adult and if you're getting married again, like every time you're getting married, that's kind of what you're hoping for. So I, I, I think there is definitely some frustration for Todd and I think it's warranted. Well, it's, it's a sad situation regardless. Oh, Frankie, you know, he, he really won't ever, I, you know, be able to live completely independently. And but, I, but, but it's, he could have lived independently of Alexia is the inference and yes. that will never happen. Well, he's she's her his mommy. Yeah, I yeah, but but then you're babying him. He's he's not a baby. He's baby. No, he's not a baby. Patricia, don't infer, don't infantilize him. Like he that's part of the problem. He's not a baby. He's an adult. And he is smart and he is incredibly witty. Hi, puppy. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he's in on the joke. But, but he also loves it. I, you know, he, he's loyal to Alexa. As he should be. Um, I don't know. And obviously we also discussed in this reunion, Alexia's the death of her mother, which we also found out was the same day as Mama Elsa's birthday which to be honest I felt like I was a bit like stop making it about you Marisol yeah I agree with you Marisol making but but the thing is we know about Mama Elsa's spiritual connection and that to me is actually what makes it more fascinating it's you know the 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 birth and the death of two icons on the same day in such a close knit family was it mama elsa calling her mother specifically on that day like was it mama elsa 
giving Marisol a different a different thing to think about on that day so that she didn't think about her mother. Not Elsa taking taking Alexia's mum to the grave on her birthday. To, to, uh, so that to help Marisol get over her debt. Oh, and to also ruin Alexia's wedding. I don't know. There's a lot of like fucked up shit that you're talking about right now. No, a hundred percent. Like to the fact that it was meant to be on the exact day that Alexia was getting married. I mean, we spoke about it every week that we recapped Miami is that the stuff that happens to Alexia, you cannot make up. But the thing about Alexia it's not just the stuff that happens to her, it's her grace. You know, for me, the way she spoke about Herman and how, and I again, we've said, you know, hindsight is 2020, 40, 40, and 60, 60. So there might be some revisionist history for her that she knows that she's on television. She has to say these things. That's what the cynic in me wants to say. But at the same time, when she said that she was happy that, before he died, Herman got to live his authentic self, regardless of anything that they had been through. And that he, you know, and she said, you know, I don't know what Alexia is like. This is where I feel like she's very much like Trey, you know, she doesn't see, she only sees what she wants to see. But, um, yeah, I don't know. how How did that make you feel, that part of the conversation? Um, to be honest, I don't remember it. Oh, when she was talking about Herman? I mean, uh, yeah, like, look, I guess a little bit. I don't, I don't know. I think, you know, I was just surprised to find out that he actually didn't die while having sex with the escort. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was, because that, but to that be honest, little... it was so believable because so many other crazy things happened to Alexia. It's disappointing almost. It's like, because it, also I agree, because in that moment when Alexia was like, well, I hope he died doing something he loved. Like, <laughs> I would also want that for myself, you know. Yeah, so, 100%. Um, I don't know. All I, To me, what I was going to say is like, the thing that we love most about Alexia is that although all this crap, horrible, tragic stuff happens to her, it's her poise and her grace and just the way she moves through life because that's actually what makes her the top tier housewife. Not the shit that happens to her, it's how she handles it. Well, I think, you know, there's no other way to handle it. Just things happen and you just got to push through, right? No, but she's also, like, so open and she's, like, really graceful and, I mean, gracious in the way she talks about it and she's funny with it. Like, a lot of other people would, you know, shrink. They're, like, don't want to talk about it. Like, Lisa is a perfect example. She has so many skeletons in her closet and she doesn't want to talk about them, which is fine. You don't have to exploit your trauma, but... Alexia does it in such a way that that's what makes her golden. Do you think that we will see the wedding on the next season? Because so she had a private wedding in like the Caribbean, Mm -hmm. but she said she will have a party when time allows for it. Like, you know, I think in terms of like COVID and stuff as well, do you think that that'll be a season five feature? Yes. Nice. Do you think it'll be produced by Gertie? No, because I don't think I, I don't think we're ever going to see Gertie ever again. Yeah. Do you think Gertie's been dropped? 
Well, I thought it was interesting. We're going to jump forward just a tiny bit, but, like, the women give, like, their takeaways of the season. But, like, Gertie's is, like, her takeaway was that she works too much and, like, she needs to, like, spend more time, like, with her friends and her family. And I took that to mean that, obviously, her work schedule was too intense for filming and, obviously, she wasn't able to do both. Um, So I think either she's going to have to have, like a hard discussion with herself to be like, I got to like quit some gigs to be able to be on the show or bow out. She needs to delegate more. That's, she needs to train people up and delegate. That's what Lisa Barlow does. She's, she's Gertie. It's Gertie events. I feel like it's a lot of her soul in that, which is fine. But yeah, it's just that obviously she realized and we have seen, because there was just nothing of her. She missed one of the cast trips as well. Like, you know, it's just sort of like you can't you can't sign up and not deliver. Whereas Adriana, if we believe the story that was sold to us, she was like doing her degree at Harvard and she didn't think that she was going to be able to commit to filming, which is why she took the friend role. Um, but then turns out that she was able to do it all and actually caused a lot of fucking drama. I mean... Let's talk about that. I mean, did Adriana see Kanye's dick? We saw the footage, the image of her with the bathroom behind her, the alleged bathroom of the toilet. I think it's not an alleged toilet. Like, it's definitely a toilet. (laughs) No, but the the toilet is real. That's where the alleged incident took place. I don't... I'm, I'm sure it happened. I'm sure... Adriana believes it happened. I just think that, like, why did Larsa think that Kanye was going to be like, oh, yeah, I remember that girl that, like, came into the toilet, like, 20 years ago. Like, it's just all so ridiculous. Like, Kanye's also not going to know who Adriana Demura is because I doubt that he ever watched Real Housewives of Miami 10 years ago when it aired. I think he would have only because, you know, I used to be big Kanye hive and he is big pop culture hive um but yeah I mean I think Adriana definitely believes she saw Kanye's dick I think she thinks most black men are Kanye West um I'm joking I'm joking I'm joking I just want to see if you'd catch it because <laughs> it's late and I'm just like let's see if he's still on the ball <laughs> no I heard you um but yeah, Adriana, is she getting is she getting a mojito next season? Mate, well, I think it's gonna be on the back of her Cookie Monster incident. I mean, she brought the cookies for Larsa because <laughs> she Larsa's dress made her look like the Cookie Monster. <laughs> Who um, wore it better, Adriana or Larsa? I'm going to say Larsa wore it better. Like, I think it's a shit dress and they both should have worn a different dress. I just love the shade that Larsa decided to wear the dress just to make a point. Yeah, look, it's not the most amazing dress in the world, but you know what? I just think it's funny that Larsa got the mojito and she's wearing the dress in the opening credits and Adriana is not. It's... It's what I would have done. It's very petty. Is Larsa getting a mojito next season? Do you think she wants to come back? 
Well, I saw that one of the potential new housewives is a realtor. So then I was thinking maybe the storyline will be Lars is still looking for a house because obviously she sold the last one. Um, we don't know the status of whether she bought a new one. So maybe that's how they bring one of these new women onto the show. Well, that, that real estate agent that you're talking about is actually friends with Larsa from back in the day. She was a friend of in a few seasons for like the first the first season. There we go. So I feel like if Larsa comes back, then it's because just to have these relationships and maybe she just does like next season and then she bows out. I mean, if she's living in Miami, why not? Well, like, you know, living, air quotes. Thank you, air quotes. Is Marisol getting a, a, getting a mojito? I don't think she needs one. I don't think she needs one, but is she going to get one? No, I don't think so. I think she'll be happy with the performance that she's given. I think she's seen what she can do as a friend of, and I don't think she's going to think that she needs a mojito. But I wonder if next season, if there are more better housewives. So I feel like part of it as well is just like we didn't have enough housewives who really brought it. Um, Lisa and Gertie that Marisol had to kind of fill in with her Marisol-isms. My worry is that if they bring in stronger housewives and Marisol doesn't have a mojito, we're actually not going to get more Marisol. Well, just as Mama Elsa was the opening voice of this season. Did you read about that? That Marisol had no idea until she watched the first episode that they had put that much Mama Elsa in it. I mean, shivers. It gave me shivers, Moshi. Yeah, um, and as to quote Marisol, she says, like, if you were, like, fully mind-blown, imagine what she was like because she literally had no idea. She was fully triggered. Bravo or whatever, Peacock, do not give a fuck. NBC does not care. No, they really don't. Um, I, I like the idea of... Marisol as a narrator, as the voice of Miami, and I don't know, but th- why not try something different and keep her as a friend of and a narrator? Why yeah, not? I think keep her and keep her cup. Her cup was in the show more than Gertie. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Okay, um, you laugh at these factual things that I say. I mean, it is just facts, hey. Um, what's your takeaway? The women have to give theirs. What's your takeaway for this season? That I work too much and that... <laughs> hey, Gertie. Adriana what's yours? wouldn't know the difference. Moshi, Gertie. Moshi, Gertie. <laughs> I go up to, like, Gertie's kneecaps, so I think we, we could all find the difference. She's a glamazon. But what's your takeaway, Maddie? I mean, who'd have thunk it that you could reboot a Housewives franchise mm-hmm. and manage to do it even better eight years later? I mean, the only concern that I have is that they will see the success that this has had and then do something dumb like bring yeah. up Dallas. Yeah, we'll we'll get it. Well, my thing is that they'll have a great season and then next season will be a flop. But yeah, Dallas is not coming back. Okay, well, Moshi... That leaves us with the end of Real Housewives of Miami. I can't believe it's over, but like a short season's a good season. When when it's done right. But let's dig into some of our thoughts on this week's episode of New Jersey. It's season 12, episode 7. Um, let's just hit some big stuff here. 
Please. I mean, first of all, how do you feel about the fact that the husbands yet again got like the first like 10 minutes of this episode? Like, I'm okay with it as long as other franchises don't start doing the same thing. Which I feel like Salt Lake City was attempting to mm-hmm. do. No, we, we are not signing up for hus- husbands. I think the only thing that in watching this, I was kind of like, oh, this is what it would be like to have like a real house husbands franchise. You know what? Yes and no. The reason why is the drama with the men is because of their women. It's not actually because of them. Similarly, even with Louis coming into the piece and this being his first guy's night, the drama with Louis, like the reason why they're putting Louis through his paces is because of his association to Teresa, which means his association to Joe and all of that history. So without the women, the men have no issues, which is what we see on um, Salt Lake City, which is why I never want house husbands, is because they all love each other. It's, it's not interesting. It's not compelling without the women. And... Yeah. Do you think they really love each other, though, on Salt Lake City? I think they do. I think, like, they just don't care. I think they're just like, this is so cool. Because I think a lot of them are cuckold and aren't actually allowed to have friends. And so... <laughs> um, for the listeners, Patrizio is now suffocating himself with a pillow. No, but I mean, seriously, like, I don't think John Barlow has any other friends aside from Lisa Barlow. So I think he relishes these opportunities because it's a chance for him to have friends. Um, I love that Teresa calls um, Louis to check and make sure that like, he's not being abused by production or the other husbands. Um, So I was going to ask you about that actually. Yeah. What about it? It seems to me that Teresa really doesn't want Louis on the show. And yet Louis is kind of leaning into being on the show now. I think What do you that, think about that? I think it's complicated. I think that yes, Louis is happy to be on the show and I think that he is stifled by Teresa. I think that like he, I think he can see, you know, the benefit in him telling his own story and being in control of the narrative in that way. And I think that Teresa always trying to get involved and making sure that he's not talking and, you know, not doing that is doing him a disservice in that I as agree. well. Um, I don't see any issue with him being a part of the show, but it is starting to be very much like a, well, if he's going to be on the show, he needs to be, like, completely fair game or he can't be on the show at all. Um, and, you know, I think the other part of it is Teresa, you know, she has her love bubble and she doesn't want anyone to burst that love bubble. And, uh, unfortunately, as we can see, Margaret and, you know, Melissa, I think to a certain extent as well, getting involved in it and, you know, like we keep saying, we just want Teresa to be happy and, you know, let them dig their own grave. If he doesn't want to ever address any of the rumours, that's on him. But, like, let's not, like, you know, let's not hold his feet to the fire. Cool. And what do you think about Tiki being a bone collector? The way that Teresa is going to take them down 
I like. She's watch. coming for Tracy and Tiki. That that's literally what I think the main feud is going to be. I don't think they're coming back next season. Ah, uh, no, because Teresa is going to give them some cement shoes and have them sleep with the fishes. Yeah, I also think like just jumping forward a little bit, looking at the mid-season trailer, Teresa's also gunning for Margaret. Well, because I think Margaret, yet again, this episode is just another example of, like, all Margaret can talk about yeah, is Teresa. And is yeah. Teresa. Teresa and Louis, yeah. No, um, I, this, this episode, I saw it for what it was. And the reason why I saw it for what it was is because her Joe is also now being more vocal at the guy's things. And, um, yeah. This is how she's justifying staying on the show. That said, I still really love Margaret Josephs. I still think she is good for the show. I think you know she would be good as well if she just found something else to talk about. Like, or you can you can talk about Teresa, but that can't be the only thing you talk about. Like, you've got to give me something else. She well, she did. She gave things. us Jen, and she's given us that storyline, and ruined Jen's entire life. Well, but then it doesn't make sense because she's like she'll invite she she wants to talk about Jen, which is giving her a storyline, giving Jen a storyline, I should say. Yeah. Um, but then refusing to engage with her by inviting her places and all the rest of it. Sort of like I feel like you can't have it both ways. You can't. I, if you're I gonna agree ice with them out, you. You need to ice them out properly. But I think it's because her plan backfired. I think she thought that by outing Jen, it would humble Jen, and. I don't think it has actually humbled Jen at all. I think it's terrified her and it's definitely upset her and it's made her angry. But is does this mean that she's Jen's going to change her tactics in the future? Jen is still going to come for people. Jen will never change. She'll, she won't change. Um, well, we kind of have already mentioned it, but like to get us there. So Dolores, um, you know, She's caring for her mother at the moment, who is like, you know, days away from having this triple bypass surgery. Yeah. Um, David is taking great care, um, is involved in Dolores's mother's health journey right now, but like, is not talking to Dolores at all. Completely iced her out. It is so weird and so fascinating. I think that, like, you know, it's sort of like, well, this would have been a great opportunity for them to start to like talk again and ice break a little bit. I just, I find it so uncomfortable that he's talking to everyone else except for her. Everybody else. It is weird. Even just to not be professional. Do you know what I mean? As a doctor, like talking, like, to be honest, I suspect that if his superiors, but I'm pretty sure David's quite high up, like they're watching the show, like, He's not actually doing his job. He's taking, he's become too personal. Well, but I think as well, I don't think he is her primary like physician or anything. I think that he's probably, you know, giving second, second advice and, you know. Okay, perhaps. I don't think it's like actually he, because I don't remember what kind of doctor he was. I think he was. He's no, a he's, surgeon. No, I thought he was actually, he's a, obstetrician gynecologist actually i think he delivers oh, babies yes. maybe see that's what delivers i mean. babies fiddles in your bits no, i'm joking <laughs> doesn't fiddle in your bits but if your doctor's fiddling in your bits that's assault 
so uh, Margaret <laughs> organizes this spa day for Dolores to like help relax her. Um, Jen's obviously not invited because Jen is just too much drama. But then at the same time, Jen is a good friend to Dolores. And so like, isn't that the whole thing? You meant to invite the, if you're hosting an event for someone, you should invite their friends, not the people. That you Correct. I agree with you. But we all know that the thing about the housewives is you cannot ice somebody out because that's not how the show works. But you want to know something that's highlighted for me? I don't think Jen has any friends. Well, no, she lives for her family. She just has her family. And, I mean, she's fortunate to have her family. But, for instance, like, if Margaret gets iced out or something, she's got, like, a gaggle of girlfriends other places. Do you know what I mean? Like, these other women do have other people they can lean on. And it's very sad for me to see that Jen has not only hedged her bets on, like, say, Teresa's coattails, but she's gone all in on this show without actually having any support off the show. Poor Jen. I mean, I don't feel sorry for her, but I'm just like, she did not strategically think about this. Um, so... Was there anything else that happened at the spa day? To be honest, I don't really like... Okay. Well, the, the thing that happened is that Dolores called out this ostracization and is basically telling Marg that she needs to take some ownership here. And speaking to this thing that Jen has no other friends and kind of doesn't have this safety net because we see even, like, Bill is not giving her emotion emotional support in the way that she needs it, that it's going to be on Margaret to kind of be the one to give the olive branch in order for the whole group to be able to move on um, because it'll never be Jen. And I kind of understand now why it'll never be Jen because she just doesn't have a support system. But her mum's going to come and take March down. I'm ready for that. I just want to say, I must have fallen asleep during the spa day because I do not remember much of it. <laughs> I had to watch it a couple of times to remember it. But the other thing that I did, like, while the girls are at the spa day and Jen is out by herself, she meets up with her brother, Stephen. And honestly, he is so adorable. Of the family, he seems the most American. Like, he seems just, like... Obviously, he's also, um, you know, he's gay. So that's something that in their culture is very hard for their parents to accept. We we saw that last season. So he has found a way, I think, to be happy outside of his family or to, like, have a life. Sorry? He's been in Provincetown at Bearwick. P-Town. Yeah. Yeah, but but I think it's the gen... It's like he is actually a really great person to lean on because he is living a life beyond their family and he just seems so happy and he has, like, the good advice and he's, like, giving her the, like, he is able to have this chat with her without being judgmental. You know what I I mean? I think almost that he is beyond all of that, right? Yeah. Where traditional Turkish society or, you know, I mean, they're like an even more like microcosm of like Turkish society, right? 
that that like you know there, there's all these expectations and you know formalities and you know cultural nuances and all the rest of it and this guy's just like at bare week kissing men and living his best life living his best life and i think on some level jen is envious because i think she thinks she i mean she did do all the right things she found the good wealthy husband she's given her family all of the grandkids like you know, and I think, you know, then she wanted housewives because she wanted her opportunity, her little slice of the pie, and now it's kind of all falling apart. But we love to hear that her mum is going to fly back from Turkey just to assassinate. I'm, I'm here for that. That, that to me will be interesting. I'd love to see Marge Senior and uh, Jen's mum go at it. But um, I want a slipper to be thrown. Like I want. That's a, what I mean. <laughs> to be removed and thrown that's literally what it's gonna be and it's the the, you and i i think both have the exact same image because of the way we grew up of the slipper coming off and how quickly like you don't even see you think like your parents are not dexterous and they have no mobility but when that slipper needs to come off your mom is suddenly like a kung fu fighter you know what i mean (laughs) the speed you don't even see it come off the foot it's brilliant. Um, I do love it though. Um, and it also sort of like leads this other conversation around Bill. So that's the other part that Jen has yeah. in this episode about, you know, Bill having no emotions over anything. But can I just say, he's a surgeon. Surgeons aren't known for having all these like fluffy emotions and stuff. Like he's a, he is a practical man. What he does is he, he, cuts people open and closes them again. He's not the kind of doctor that's going to sit there with you and, like, you know, coddle you and all the rest of it. So, like, I just feel like if she wanted a man with emotions, marrying a surgeon was, like, the wrong way to go. That's just my opinion. Heather Dubrow would say otherwise. <laughs> well, but does Terry Dubrow have many emotions? I don't know. I think he's a very, like, straightforward person. Bill, um... He's definitely softer than Bill. Doctor Nassif. Yeah, I, well, I don't think he, he's an emotional person. He had so many emotions. He was annoyed that Adrian didn't have any emotions. Um, I think though, Bill is very conscious of the fact that he's on television. Like he and he is, you know, trying to be stoic. I guess is the other way to look at it. Is that he's like. He's he's so logical. He's kind of like, there's nothing I can do about it now. Before this roommate came out, our marriage was fine. We were just living our best life. Let's just go back to that. But what he needs to acknowledge is that what's happened is it's opened up a whole lot of feelings that Jen didn't have a chance to explore last time. And part of the reason Jen didn't have a chance to explore them is because she was literally giving birth and had to focus on bringing a child into the world. She, this is, she's not had time to think about herself. And now the cameras are on her. She has the time to think about herself. And it's all coming to the surface. It's all being buried. It's all coming up. And you've got to deal with it. Can I just say that I um I just love how Bill did not comb his hair for this <laughs> Oh, thing. does he ever? His hair is always so different in every shot. It's because <laughs> he's going bald. So he's only got like, you know, it's receded on the top. So he's only got wisps. 
So they just wisp around. He should go back to the homeland. You know, Turkey is like the place to go get oh, a hair transplant. A hundred percent. Do you know they do like African braids, like just in the all the salons there as well? Like they know how to do hair. Yes, Turkey, the go place to be. Um, well, let's talk to, about my favorite part of this episode, which is the Teresa and Louis one year anniversary. So this is the bit you are awake for. Um, I mean, it was like watching a train wreck. Like, couldn't couldn't close your eyes. Um, okay, so like, there's sort of like two parts. To this. So the first part is her getting ready to go on the date, and she's mm-hmm. got her girls, and we see Gabriella, which is really nice because we never really see her that much. Um, and she's so sassy, and she's got so much to say. Love to see it. Same. Uh, but do you do you think that um Teresa's daughters like Louis? Yeah, I'm thinking about it. I mean, I know Gia does address that she was cynical. Do they? But I, I think everybody mistrusts Louis. I think that the girls probably see how happy their mum is and they probably compare that to how sad she was when married to Joe Judice. And so they're probably like, this is a better situation than what mum and dad were to when they were together. You know what the thing is, though? Teresa, the difference with this relationship so far for her is that, number one, it's new. Like, her and Joe, they've known each other since they were kids. Like, it's a very different relationship the thing with Louis is that it's all about the romance. And that is the thing that Teresa has always wanted. It could have been any guy. As long as you wine and dined her, were romantic, you know, did all the cliched things of romance, that's all she's ever wanted. I don't think she cares. She literally doesn't care about anything else. All she cares about is that somebody is prioritising her and doing it over the top. And I would say there's also the added element of Italian superstition here where it's like she prayed to her parents to get yeah. her a man and then she turned a corner and, and there he was. was. There. And it yeah. happened on the same day. And, like, just pray to your grandparents because they will send you whoever from heaven to, like, look after. Like, it's just it's all a bit much. I know. But, like, I'll put it this way. When, the re- when a real issue arises, like, let's say – like Louis is caught in some sort of fraud situation and we're all like fucking hell. It's like Joe all over again. The problem with the thing that we're going to see whether or not Teresa has changed is whether or not she chooses to stand by her man. Like is Teresa going to jail for Louis? I think she would. And that's what, that's what, that's what makes it scary. That's how everybody feels. But I think that she's the kind of person as well where she's like, I think that she almost thinks that she's like tainted goods because she did go to, she she went away, you know. And I think, Fair that, enough. Um, you know, who is she, first of all, who is she to judge other people for having yes. a similar situation as her? And no, I agree I with that. that. Like, you know, obviously she's got four daughters. She's got, you know, a criminal history now as well, you know. She's, she's a, also a New York Times bestseller, Patricia. I know. Well, I was going to say, but she's also a public figure. She's on this TV show and all the rest of it. I mean, it's not, she's not an easy person to date, I don't think. No, I agree with you as well. But let's talk about this anniversary date. 
Um, so what would you do if your man gave you a giant scroll of all the reasons why he loved you? I would look at that and be like, that is the only reason I need to leave you. I think that we find it really uncomfortable that um, Louis is in touch with his feelings. I think that like if people like were more accepting that men could have these kind of emotions, it would be a very different story. I think especially because it's New Jersey, it's all these Italian men who are meant to be all old school and Joe Gorga who's always like, don't talk to my kids about sex education and I'm a man and the, the woman the woman stays at home and the man goes to work and all the rest of it. Like Louis is just like so new age and like I'm into it. I actually really like the scroll because he's into his feelings. He understands his feelings. He's like aware of his feelings. Yeah. Look, would I want a giant scroll like that? Probably not. But Teresa clearly really likes it. I think, I think she was genuinely happy to see that. Work. I'm sold. I guess the only thing that matters is whether or not Teresa likes it. So Okay, I'm in now, Patrizio. I'm in. I'm like, all in on Louis. I'm it's all the same, in. It's the same thing as what you just said before. Like, Teresa, she just needs a man to, like, like give her a candlelit dinner. And she's like, when are we getting married? When she saw the scroll come out, she was like, he's the one. Like, you know, she... You know what is so sad, though? It just means that, like, the bar is so low. <laughs> But it's not low because it's so thoughtful. It wasn't like he undid that scroll and it just said, like, live, laugh, love on it. (laughs) You know what I mean? Okay. What about the saxophone? Again, Louis, even if he is a manipulator, even if he's pure evil, at least he, like, remembered the fact that Teresa used to learn the saxophone and that's why he got the saxophone player along. Well, she does like saxophone. She likes that because Joe Judice never used to give a fuck about his wife, towards the end especially. Yeah. Like, this is ten times better than whatever she's experienced before. You're absolutely right. Once again, as long as Teresa's happy, that's all that matters. You just know that, like, after the scroll and the saxophone, they had some real freaky sex. Oh, she'll do anything. The pineapple. I'm surprised we didn't see them feeding each other pineapple. (laughs) Um, Absolutely. But um, this is clearly the beginning of the story arc of why Teresa learns the saxophone. Yeah, I'm very excited for that because I was, if I'm really honest, it was the one mystery that I really wanted to uncover this season. Can I just say that, um, I don't know if you've already seen, but watch What Happens Live, um, like, aired after the episode and they had Teresa with Lonnie Love. Yeah. And um, Lonnie played the French horn and Teresa yes. had the saxophone. Like, like, I didn't watch the clip, but I knew about it. It's so ridiculous that I'm really happy that this is where we're at with, like, Housewives, though. Like, that, that's why where we there... should be at. This is exactly the tone. Yeah, like, why are there not more Housewives? Like, I don't... Do you want a Housewives big band? Well, you want a I Housewives want big like band? Be moving towards, like, you know, I need one of them trying to join the orchestra. Like, why is that not anyone? No, but I think you want a Housewives big band. I think we need to know what other instruments do the ladies play. We need we need the Housewives big jazz band or whatever. Oh, my God. Um, I mean, look, is there anything else that you want to hit on, Moshi? 
One of the things that I just want to briefly, briefly touch on, and I'm going to try not to wobble too on and on about it. Obviously, Melissa doesn't have a storyline. And I say this in that after this episode, I realised that Melissa is really basic. And I don't mean that in a bad way, but I just mean like she really is just a traditional housewife like the and and that's not a bad thing it's like it's it's fabulous but it's like she needs to spend more time oh god i sound like Miriam cosby just like dealing with the issues that she's going that's happening in her family on the one hand i'm like maybe i'm saying this because i'm not a, a parent so it might be interesting to what as a parent to watch kind of the issue that arose this week with antonia um and and the injury that Antonia had, I related very much because when I was in high school, I had quite a traumatic sporting injury happen to me. And because of that injury, I never returned back to that same sport. And so I very much understand like where Antonia is at on that front. But I really love Antonia. I love how sassy she is. Um, I definitely think she's more interesting than Melissa is what I wanted to say. And that she could definitely replace Melissa on the show. <laughs> and I agree with her that I don't think Melissa considered her feelings at all when she moved them schools just so that her younger sons could play and like football, which is going to leave them with permanent brain damage. So that's a fact. That's like something that they're really looking at at the moment now in NFL is like what is going on with all these people that have these brain injuries after the sport um you know like NFL players they don't play for very long that's why Tom Brady is also such an anomaly because he's been able to play for as long as he has the the median um lifespan of an NFL player is like three to five years so I think the worst part of this whole Antonia thing as well because like yeah I agree like don't, why you move the kid out of school? Just drive like ten minutes down the road to go back to the old school because not that Melissa's got like much going on. She's got. She's in high school. She's obviously succeeding. She's obviously thriving. And for me, it's just like because she's the girl, she suffered. But so when Melissa was Antonia's age, that was around the time that her father like died. Yep. And she got moved to Miami, and she was the only girl in Miami with the Jersey accent and like you know her crazy hair and all the rest of it so melissa knows what it's like to be 16 years old and to be completely have your life like you know changed by like moving schools and all the rest of it so melissa knows this melissa has first-hand experience and still does it to her daughter yeah and i think the other side of it as well was like asking like forcing Antonia to have a sweet 16 because she didn't have one which is I when I found out the why Melissa didn't have a sweet 16 I was like this is actually fucked and I also thought like I know over the years we've heard about her dad and and all these things but I think there is something very interesting about Melissa's past that like I think if we delved into it many years back I think we would all appreciate her a little bit more on the show because she's obviously got such a huge age gap between her and her older sisters that like her mum, you know, moved to Florida to like live kind of that retirement life, which is like, you know, something that is very common in the US. And poor Melissa had to go with her because she was like a minor, like she had no other choice. She also, you know, has the trauma of 
her father dying, who she didn't even have get a chance to have a real relationship with. Um, there's so many things to unpack there that I think, I mean, obviously, once again, I don't want people exploiting their trauma, but right now she's about to exploit her trauma and exploit her daughter all for the sake of the storyline. So it's like, it's troubling. Do you think that at Antonia's Sweet 16, Melissa's long lost sister will be there? <laughs> Once again, we have come to another end of this episode. And no, I didn't edit that in. I think Patrizio just, you pick the moment where we need to wrap this up. <laughs> Moshi, as always, we are going to ask the audience to rate, review yeah. and subscribe, subscribe. share the love to put us on a top 100 list somewhere in the world and get more listeners to share yes. love. Um, as always, we're from the lower level pod on the Instagrams. And, and we're taking a little bit of a break next week. We are going on a company offsite team building activity um, and we'll be returning back the week after. The start of April, I think that'll be. Shit. Oh my god, we love a hiatus. We do love um, hiatus. It's definitely an issue with Bravo production, not the production of this podcast <laughs> that we have had to take this hiatus. But, but I think it's. I think we also need some time to adjust to this monumental ending of two gigantuan franchises coming to another end of another season well as always Moshi muchas gracias oh yeah muchas gracias you too amigo (laughs) my Spanish is atrocious